Welcome back to Archives for Aliens, the podcast recorded for future life on Earth, planet Earth, consciousness, creativity, the nature of reality, cool people making things, and life outside the box. This week, I'm here with my friend Jamie, and we're going to talk about all sorts of things, including making sigils, fortune-telling velociraptors, and what it's been like learning to assist people with psychedelic integration. Let's get right into it. So that the audience can get to know you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you believe about the nature of reality. Um, This can also be just like some of your personal beliefs or principles that you live by. Yeah, I think, um, again, for myself personally, I feel that I just take cues from nature. Like I look to nature for inspiration, whether it be like how how we should kind of um, be treating each other, how we should be treating the earth, obviously. Um, just a lot of people forget like that we are part of nature. We like to create this like other thing that we are and then we get caught up in that reality. And so it's just, it's just good to live like a life that's not separated from that. It's just, it's really good to live one that just really makes somehow in your either day to day or as your year goes on that, um, that nature has a place in it. And I try to do that as best I can with as busy as things get. Um, I'm in Los Angeles, so it's obviously a city and it's harder to get out and about to nature, but um, I'll go, I'll go camping, I'll go hiking, I'll go walk my dog. And those activities just kind of like beyond the idea of exercise, it's more of just like connecting with the planet, connecting with earth. Um, I think that stuff gets segmented into like exercise nowadays, but it's really about just going connecting. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point to bring up. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it seems like people might prioritize the exercise over the connecting with nature, which generally involves movement anyway. Yeah, right. You're going to get exercise (laughs) as a byproduct of engaging with nature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can you tell us what's, what's like a really fun way that you engage with nature? Um, I like to, like I was alluding to, like to go camping. I like to just have it be that kind of like safe container that I can go spend time in. Um, nice thing is like nature doesn't judge you, you know, you don't have to worry about like what nature's thanking to you. Sure. Like nature can be rough to you. Like, um, but if you, you know, that's part of how you interact with it, either planning or being spontaneous, being kind of like ready for those things, whatever comes your way. Um, but I just really like going out and sharing it with my friends. Um, I like to engage with it, engage with nature through psychedelics also. And that's a, great way of connecting in that very grounded earth way um so that's always part of my experience nowadays when i go out but yeah i think it's it's really funny to me and great that you're calling nature a safe container 
and psychedelics grounding. <laughs> Very good point. Because it's like, <laughs> it, it's just an interesting point to make. It shows you, I don't know, maybe that shows how like scarred we are by like this, this um, society we live in. <laughs> that now that's the refuge. Refuge. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, you know, a lot of people I know are so scared of a bug. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or to sit on the grass or <laughs> get dirty. Yeah, we, um, my partner and I own snakes, and uh, that's always the first thing that comes up is like, oh, they scare me. And it's like, it's always like, of course, meeting people where they are, but kind of interesting to engage them on another level. It's like, well, why? Like, beyond... Like, oh, well, I don't like them. They're slimy or whatever. It's like kind of just breaking apart. Like, well, maybe it's that society's told you not to like those things. And if you actually like sit down with that for a minute and like actually think of like you as like a sovereign being, like actually what you might enjoy or like that those bugs or snakes really are just fine. <laughs> you know? Hmm. Yeah. I bet we're just so conditioned yeah. to see them in a certain way. Growing up in our, the culture that we've grown up in. Yeah, definitely. It's like the house, the home being this thing that exists. So again, kind of like, I'm probably going to keep going back to this, but it's like away from nature. And so like when an ant comes in, it's like, ah, but it's like thinking about it more. It's like, oh, actually we're invading their space. So how can I deal with this differently? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so do you think that your relationship with psychedelics has affected your relationship with nature? Like which one came first? It's a good question. Like I grew up in Colorado, so I was always like steeped in nature, um, like hiking or river rafting, just like that stereotypical Colorado stuff. Um, but it wasn't until like doing, it, was, it wasn't until learning through other people, like because people are very psychedelic. So hearing what they have to say, be, having that transform you. Um, and then sitting with mushroom and being very like transformed by um, the ants around you, the plants, the flowers, like having co communication with them, talking to them, whether it's me talking to myself or talking with them, but opening up that dialogue that wasn't there before was definitely kind of like this awakening of just like, oh, again, keeping that reminder, like, oh, we are part of this planet. And uh, as much as we want to separate ourselves, like you can't fight, like you can only fight that. You can't like, it's not going to ever break apart. <laughs> you know, you can never separate yourself from nature. You're always going to be part of it. So, but um, yeah, I think the psychedelics definitely like help enhance what was already there. Then it kind of made me like relens my past and like how I was interacting with it, how I could then think about interacting with nature from here on out. So I think, yeah. And how do you think that makes you more grounded in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's like the power of empathy. Um, in, and we have these empathetic experiences like that we can kind of like physically pull ourselves back to um, what that feeling is like. So we can, you know, through experience that then creates something in us that we can hearken back like memory. And it's like on a somatic level, you can like feel like you're there. And so I think that helps with 
as hectic as things get, like you still have this ability to just recall yourself back to like a place of serenity through if you like pull that in your meditation practice, like um, in in like witchcraft, it's like empathetic magic. So you're like you're pulling up that um, feeling within you and then living that experience like in your in your headspace and kind of like what you um, bring into your workings and things like that. But uh, it's something that we all can do. And I think it's just being either taught how to do that or taking the time to figure it out is like the next like thing that that people can jump on or that the next thing to be figured out. And so I spent like the last couple of years kind of like diving into that, figuring that out for myself. Um, but yeah, it's very grounding in the term of just like, I guess grounding is also like a word that gets thrown around or used like when you're in your headspace too much and you're just living in that mental realm and it's not quiet. So how do you get quiet back? And so grounding yourself with the earth, like is obviously a great way of doing that. Um, yeah. So it's like bringing your body back into it instead of it just being a mental experience. So that's, that's been helpful for sure. Yeah. So it sounds like kind of, making your body like become one with the earth where you're like at the perspective of the earth and at the perspective of the ant the same time kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, um, we like, again, we just like to think of ourselves as this, this other, like, you know, whether it's religion telling us that or society telling us that, um, you, like to think that nature is something that exists away. And for a lot of our lives, like it does exist away. It exists like, like you were alluding to, like people that don't like to go out to nature because it's not part of their experience. And so it's like almost like this, um, um, what's the word, this experience where you get a little bit, little taste of it. And then you like want more, you want more like gateway, like, what's your gateway? What, what's your gateway going to be into like reconnecting with nature? You know, so for me, it was psychedelics. So go, go figure. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. I mean, I definitely hear that from a lot of people for sure. Yeah. And I know one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast is because I know you've been studying uh, psychedelic integration coaching. Yeah, it's been a fun, wild ride <laughs> the last um, six, no, four months of doing that so far. It's a year-long program that I'm doing. It's the Psych Soul Method. Um, and it's with the aim, for myself personally, I'm participating in being around people that are either psychedelic-minded or doing psychedelics or uh, going to events that are kind of like psychedelics or part of it. And so I just wanted to be more like psychedelically um, responsible or just somebody who could be um, grounded for others that aren't uh, wherever mm. they are in their experience. I was just somebody I'm like, okay, this is kind of a point I want to evolve myself. Like I've had a great time experiencing, participating and doing psychedelics, but now I want to like be able to hold space for others and then be able to like, um, help them if they've chosen to like work through their life using um, psychedelics, then how can I support them? And so integration, learning integration is like a huge 
it's that realm of how you support somebody going through life experience, but in this case, psychedelic experience. Oh, it's a really like unique, uh, like form of support. I'd never heard of it until we were on that zoom call together a couple months ago and you brought it up or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Whoa, what is that? And then I Googled it. And so You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I looked at, um, the integration coaching is mostly about bringing the experience into your future life and like kind of like the aftercare. Yeah, it it, it comes in a different, couple different um, support um, components along the way, but um, it's if you catch somebody at say the beginning of wanting to do experience, like if they've they've heard about. Uh, mushrooms and they want to like sit down with mushrooms then it's like um basically beginning that kind of like preparatory phase with them of like what they hope to get out of this what they what where their life is and how you can have this or how they can have this experience for themselves um help them with their life moving forward in that kind of um, intention and then you can also support them with that engagement process of them doing the psychedelic um either through sitting or supporting them um kind of like home base with them going out to wherever they're getting that's sitting on that journey that they're doing. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And then when they've done the work or the actual physical psychedelic work of the day or the week that they do, then you're there to help them with that recovery process. And I think this is something that like gets lost for people is that um, one, a lot of people engage with psychedelics, not having any kind of structure. You just maybe get handed something at a party. A lot of it's through recreational use. Um, that's usually how people have come into it, either in their teens or, or um, frankly, any phase of life. But uh, then you have this experience and then nobody's really around to catch you after that. And so you kind of just left with either a good experience or an experience that was turbulent or something that kind of like repelled you from like not wanting to do that again. Um, so this is kind of a way of eat, breathing in structure from the get-go or helping you kind of go back to those experiences you had earlier in life and help process actually what they meant or what they've turned into meaning for you. And again, helping you turn that into something kind of like um, energetically tangible or motivating for yourself going forward. Oh. oh, I really, really like how it you know, takes someone through the whole process, um, especially the beginning, because I'm guessing that people have very different intentions and very different needs, very different phases of things that they're going through in life. And like what that looks like yeah. can be super different depending on who you're working with. Yeah, it's true. Like um, a lot of people... The way psychedelics have been also talked about, it's kind of like a silver bullet. It's like, oh, well, if I take this thing, then I'll be fixed. Or I take this thing, then like, I'll, I'll, I'll know, and then I'll be able to operate differently. Um, other people are come in like through, let's say, like chronic pain, and they're just looking for anything that'll help. And this has come up on their path, and they're like, I'm willing to do this. Like, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And other people are like just genuinely curious, they're like, oh, I've heard about this psychedelic thing. Like, let me try it out. Um, Mm. and so, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of different ways people can come into this. And so that's what kind of makes this very, this approach, like very, it has to be very customizable. It can't just be like, Oh, here you go. Like be on your way. It's like working with the people where they are in life. Um, and then catering 
what how that's going to go for them. Like people will come in, people will be wanting to do this if they're in crisis, like they've maybe just broken up with a partner of long term or a family members uh, passed away um, or they're processing some help, needing help processing grief and things like that. So trauma is like a big piece in this. Um, and just again, like meeting people where they are and the different the different journeys they are in life. So, yeah, there's a lot of entryways. <laughs> Yeah. And so I would think that you want to respect, you know, everyone's wishes and what they're looking for, what they're trying to get out of the experience. But are there any cases where you actually kind of discourage people? Either maybe it's the wrong time or the wrong thing that they're, I mean, I'm saying it's wrong. Maybe there is no wrong, but is that a thing? Yeah. You, <laughs> Can there be a wrong time or a wrong goal? There. There can be, to your point, it's like, is the timing right for them? That's a huge piece. Like you don't want to just throw something difficult like this on when frankly, if you have no time for it, that's, that's a big piece of it too, is that people will just go away for a weekend and then they come back on Monday and they're back to their kind of like regular lives and they didn't plan out any kind of chunk to like digest. And so knowing how hectic people's lives are and having that um, upfront blunt conversation with them in the beginning to just say like, Hey, if, we, if you do this, like, are you going to support yourself through this process? Um, instead of kind of maybe kicking that can down the road or outsourcing that support to somebody like a coach. Um, it's very important to like have that honest conversation with themselves. If the timings now, the other, the other component too is, um, where they, how their mental health is and what they're going through if they're on any medications. Um, and if they, again, like if they've been on a medication and they aren't having success with it, then now they're wanting to try this. Or if they're on a medication that they have, that is helping them like on an antidepressant or something like that. Um, and they still want to do this experience, figuring out with them or getting them in touch with a professional of how to do that tapering process with their doctor so that they can then, um, not shock their system, but actually um, give themselves the month that or so that's needed for them to wean off of that um, medication so that they can then have the full experience with that psychedelic that they're intending. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of things to consider. Um, and there's during the intake process with with work, with talking or working with people, that's when you kind of like figure out those things with them. And hopefully they're being honest with you. The only person, if they're not being honest, the only person they're hurting is themselves. So it's just creating that safe space with them so that they feel that they can have conversation with you. That's going to benefit them and the outcome. I think. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think how like secluded and like shoved under the rug. These types of experiences have been in this country for decades and now, like, the opportunity to just have an honest conversation with somebody that hopefully you can trust, that's, yeah. Re like, revolutionary. Yeah, I agree. It's, like, why maybe you see it kind of popping up now. Like, like you were saying, you hadn't really heard of it. And a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of people haven't heard of it because um, this is kind of, like, something new. Like, we, uh, like, therapy's kind of, like, taken traction now and we all talk about it and we all uh, it's, it's becoming more comfortable to go to therapy. 
Um, it's like less taboo. And so mm -hmm. this is now like something that's kind of coming along now that psychedelics are kind of be talking about in a way that's less, less taboo. It's still kind of for people, um, sensitive, but so then it makes sense that naturally the, that the integration coaching work is going to come along with that. So I think it's kind of preparing, like there's a lot of people getting interested in this work now because there's a lot of, um, well, psychedelic awakening and a lot of access opening up to people. So we don't want those people to be left just having to process that on their own. If they're in a place in life that they aren't able to. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm so glad that it exists. And I mean, definitely never heard of it in, in Missouri. <laughs> uh, I know. So you're in California. I'm wondering, like, is it taking off a lot more there? How, that is a How good does question. It, what's going on like legally with all this? Yeah, right now there is a bill in um, the California State Senate that is going to open up uh, a larger use of uh, psychedelics. Um, and that is actually by this podcast, whenever this is released, it's probably going to be in the news. Um, but like you're seeing other states, uh, Oregon, um, Colorado, Florida, um, Michigan, there's a, just a lot of activity happening all over the country. The West Coast, I guess, has a reputation of kind of trying to jump on this stuff early, like it did with mm -hmm. uh, with uh, marijuana and things like that. Um, so it's just it's exciting time to live. You know, it's exciting time to be um, going into the future, having access to this stuff potentially for for therapy use. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh very cool that's that's awesome maybe we'll coincide the release of this episode with whatever i may see in the news <laughs> that'd be cool the the news i think is june 4th something might pass so we'll see <laughs> okay yeah, yeah that's super soon that's like yeah. next week i think wow yeah okay so it doesn't have to coincide but <laughs> it's just a it's a it's a thought yeah. and um oh kind of like also thinking too like in the interesting thing is like the teacher that i'm taking from she's in la um and i'm in a class with 50 other uh wonderful people from across the country and i think oh. i'm the only person honestly in la in our group and there's people from seattle um New York, Wisconsin, there's just people from all over the States. And that's really exciting to see that everybody's kind of just rising to this occasion and wanting to participate and be healthy for each other and be able to hold space for each other. Wow. Um, so, so it's all on like your, most of your training is online. Yeah. Right now. Cause of, cause of COVID. So there's some, okay. um, I'll, I'll also kind of point out something too. That's, a great opportunity for folks because of um, us being online during COVID that there's uh, something called psychedelic integration circles. And you may have seen some of those pop up either online or if you're following um, people that uh, promote these kind of things. And they started kind of in bigger cities but now kind of opened up and there's a lot of online um, integration circles. And even because of us all being on Zoom, you can participate in other cities. Like, so if you're, this is just really shows you how kind of customizable this is. If you're um, on the East Coast and you get off work when that 
East Coast one that you wanted to attend was, you can t- attend a West Coast one that's three hours earlier, so you can you know stay up for yourself a little later and get that get that get help from a group processing that experience that you either planning to do or have done recently or um, or something from the past that you still haven't had an opportunity to process with people. I would I would highly encourage that. I usually go to those um, once a month, but that's oh, wow. that's me. <laughs> okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I'll see if I can find um, like a link to one of them and put that in here. Yeah, and and you know, again, it's like depending on how people are. Like, it's a group of people. It's coming into a group of people you don't know. They are totally aware of that. Um, of, and frankly, every week is like that, where it's a group of people that maybe some people have come back um, because their uh, schedule allows, but uh, the environments just there to be a safe space there's a lot of kind of like um share if you want to you're not obligated to share you can sit and listen um essentially it's where you kind of come in you're grounding into yourself from your busy day the first 10 minutes um and then you go over the rules for the um session and then we go into the share um portion which is the biggest portion and that's where like um if they're usually like 60 minutes so if there's like five people you divide that 60 minutes up against the five for the five people. And they have, you know, that those minutes to talk about their experience. And then after everybody's shared, that's wanted to, then it's kind of like open pollination or the person holding the session will, uh, will kind of speak to something or start conversation. Um, and a lot of people that have had psychedelic experience that say like they've worked with ayahuasca, then they, somebody wanting to go into an ayahuasca experience, they'll, um, be able to like, share their insight or somebody interested in microdosing um, people in the group will be currently microdosing so they can share their process for that. So it's like very good at information gathering. It kind of like takes also off that edge beforehand, before you do a psychedelic of being able to just talk about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like you said earlier, like that we're just like a lot of people aren't available um, in the space where they can have these conversations. So this is a way of just kind of like, making that happen for yourself. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. That's what I like about it. Um, and I'm bummed because my, the gal who I've been taking integration from for three years, just, uh, just took a sabbatical long break. So now I kind of have oh. to go find another circle. <laughs> so, which will be fun. It's just, uh, it's just, uh, you like, you like learning from people, you know, yeah. So in your future, do you think that you'll be starting to hold some of these circles yourself? That's a very good question. I think I think inevitably, yes. I'm still figuring out where I want to be in this whole psychedelic um, renaissance space taking place. Like I alluded to in like the beginning right now, I just like want to be somebody who can uh, have that kind of like skill set in their toolbox so that wherever I am, I'm able to support, um, whether I'm somebody who I'm glad, happy to be assisting somebody who's doing the main support. Uh, that's the way you learn. And I think that's probably what'll be the next step for me is getting involved with, um, assisting people, um, either in these integration circles or with facilitating medicine. But, um, that, that is kind of an open question right now. I could definitely see myself, um, assisting and holding space for like integration circle. It's really, it really is a, 
a beautiful space and, and I love meeting people. I love, um, just being around people and their energy. It's very good energetic space because everybody's there. Something's pulled them there that they want to change for themselves. So the energy is very like, um, a learning it's very people being very open. So it's just a nice energy to be around. Um, so we'll see, we'll see where the future takes me. Yeah, no, that does sound really nice. Yeah. Just to have a group of people that want to better themselves in some way or better their experience or. Yeah. And, and then uh, it's one of these things too, like, don't get me wrong too. Like, uh, the recreational aspect to it is very healing. It's very opening. Like that's frankly how I got into psychedelics and there's so much value into that. And that's like, that's where people first kind of get that taste of like opening up to another person and being accepted in a space, uh, that is fun. So you kind of like, again, like somatically have that memory living within you that you can then call back. You know, we all have like those fun experiences that like you can just turn to a friend hopefully and just like grin at them. And you're like, I know you. And they're like, yeah, you do. You know, and you're able to just like instantly tap into that space. So, yeah, no. Okay. That's good too. That is a good point to bring up that like, it's okay to just have fun. It's okay to just have a good time. Thousand percent. I hear yeah. that argument a lot. Yeah. Going I'm, on. I'm very much somebody who understands and tries to promote the value of, of just having fun with it. Yeah. Um, it, it often goes back to just like that environment. If that environment is safe for you to do so, like we get in trouble where, like we were talking about at the beginning, like where somebody will just hand you something and they don't know. Um, or you're in a setting that like is abrasive or it's just not gonna, if you go, if you're getting into a little bit of a rocky situation, how are you going to be able to navigate that? And if the tools aren't there, then that's when you, that's the, that's the somatic experience that your body starts sucking in is that turbulence. So I've, I've been fortunate to always be around folks that had enough experience with it. Um, and I've heard a lot of just, and I'm sure you have two stories from folks where they didn't have any support and went through a really bad time. It's just like, my heart goes out to you. Cause that's, that's where the work needs to take place is like processing what happened. And then hopefully like getting you brave enough to a point of like wanting to try going back into that experience and then hopefully learning something. So. Yeah, and I think so another thing on this fun thing, I was just thinking about how I think about this a lot about how as people we've forgotten how to play. Like that's something yeah. that's very important to me, like being a creative and like one of my things that I'm really passionate about in life is helping other people like learn to play. And it kind of reminds me of that. A thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm one of those people that did psychedelics for the first time at Burning Man. And that oh. is a giant, giant adult or a giant playground for anybody any <sighs> age. And that, and you're a thousand percent on with that. People forget how to play. And that's like really where like a lot of healing takes place. And like a lot of like openness comes from. So we're just asked, asked so much these days to be like responsible, professional, and you and yeah, you can't leave that space. And so it's like, when are we taking opportunities to like be able to leave that space? Like going to the bar? Like that doesn't sound like that's having that. You know, yeah, like, I mean that's like the socially 
promoted, acceptable yeah. version, I guess. And I used to, I used to like not understand why people played video games, but um, my partner's big into video games and they finally brought me around to it. It's like that it's a place where they can just be creative. And um, in the same way that people watch movies, like you're, you're taking part in like this beautiful story or this interesting story. And so that's where that has value. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. But yeah, Burning Man's a big playground. <laughs> I don't know if you've had I have other not been folks. to Burning Man. Okay, yeah. Or had anybody come on that's talked about it? Oh, just briefly. Yeah. Yeah. You have I, anything I, else you want to share about it? Go for it. Well, it's funny, like uh my my joke is like that there's three people that will not shut up about what they do, and that's like People that go to CrossFit, people that are vegan, and people that go to Burning Man. <laughs> like once they get started, they will not stop talking about it. So um, I will just say that it is it is that playground. It is that place that like you um, that container also that people are there to like in it in its purest form of what it is. It's that people are there to like experience each other. So you're not going there to like, um, there people, the gift is either you bringing art or you showing up. And so like the art out there is beautiful. It's engaging. Um, the people out there are very open. So like you can kind of get through that like social wall of like, Hey, who are you? How are you? And just like be having an experience about something and then just dive into like the depth. Um, so it's very, for people that get to experience that out there, it is very um, beautiful. And we wish we had more of that back home, <laughs> back here. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to a couple of like the local burn events. Gotcha. Yeah. It seems really different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave it at that. The regionals. Yeah. Not um, even regional, just like. I guess oh. regional, but within my state, like the biggest one I've ever been to was the, like the Missouri one. Oh, cool. But you're making it sound like it was, it was okay. Yeah. It was not. Well, my big disappointment in that one, I just have to be honest, is Go that there wasn't it. any art. That's odd. That's odd. There was no, literally like no art. And there was, you know, all kinds of different strange things going on. Um, but and by strange, I, I don't mean like weird. I just mean, I don't even know how to explain it. You know, people, different tents of games and I don't know, like this one thing where everyone goes over here and they slap you on the butt. Kind of okay. ran, just random. Like to me, it seemed completely random things going yeah, on yeah. that were on the outskirts of society. And it was very interesting to observe. Um, but I actually got really bored without the art. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Music's one thing, but art definitely. There wasn't music either. Needed. Hmm. That, this now sounds suspicious. I swear. What this was. <laughs> I agree. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could have just been the one time I went, but. There's a, there's a LA regional that I've gone to a couple times and it's been, it's been nice. It's like, um, some of the big camps will turn out. Um, 
my partner and I made a art piece uh, that will be hard to describe. So maybe I'll send a picture to you, but you know, those old Zoltar machines from like in the movie big, did you ever see that? He made the wish on the Zoltar. Oh, it's basically I... a box that has a fortune teller in it and the crystal uh-huh. ball and you oh, yeah. put in a quarter and then it moves its mouth and then it spits out the um, ticket that says something wise on it. Um, so we built one of those with a Velociraptor inside of it. And so we named, you've heard the, I'm maybe you've heard the, uh, internet thing of like Velociraptor, like the Velociraptor of wisdom. It's just a meme of like a raptor that like will spout out like whatever mystical yeah. phrase that it wants. Yeah. So we took one of those containers. Well, actually we built it from scratch, uh, put a, uh, half of a a raptor inside of it. It was hooked up with the mouth being able to move, the eyes blinking, turning, uh, and a crystal ball, which was uh, her egg that would pulse back and forth in different colors. So anybody could come up, wind it, and then it's the show would start and it would basically (laughs) give you your fortune, but it'd be squawking at you like a, like a raptor. It'd be like, you know, And so it was just funny watching people engage with that. Oh, and it would spit out a coin that was just basically like, you have been told your fortune by the philosopher, by the Zoltar Raptor. And so uh, that was fun watching little kids at the burn come up and engage with. And then people that were on substances kind of come up and be like, oh, yeah, I learned so much from the Raptor. Come here. Look at this. So very fun. That's awesome. How do you know how to build that kind of a thing? Like that fascinates me. I I'm in awe of people that build that kind of structural structural my, objects. My partner is in the um practical effects industry. Um and they oh. actually work at the um on the dinosaurs at Universal Studios in the Jurassic Park oh, ride. Man, so they, okay. They are around this stuff 24-7. And luckily, um, in my work, I'm able to know a lot of smart people um, that know robotics. So we just basically put the two together and created this thing that you basically would just turn on and let it go. So, yeah, it is fun. Oh, and that's that- what it's about. Like, I wouldn't have worked with all these people otherwise. And so it's like you like that's the power of art is like you can create this common thing to come together and like do with people um, where everybody's contributing this little piece. Like we had a friend paint the mural on the front. I reached out to another graphic designer who did like the, the icon for the side. We had a friend who was a sound artist do the vocals for the Raptor, like a different series of vocals. Just a lot of different uh, beautiful pieces of artistry, that expression that everybody has on their own that they think, oh, I just know how to do this one little thing. It's like, let's all bring that together for this experience. And then the experience of getting to experience people experiencing it, of <laughs> seeing them do it. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I, I, I'm obsessed with the intersection of technology and art. Yeah. That's so cool you, that you know. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask, <laughs> do you ever watch when you uh, have a piece up in the gallery, like people reacting to what you've created? Oh, or do you run away from that experience? <laughs> uh, 
I usually run away and ask someone else to watch. Um, if I could be like in a bird's eye view or something. And like sometimes if I will come up and talk to people, it's kind of awkward. I don't know. And I also don't, gotcha. don't want to affect like their interpretation or like their experience because the way I make my art is very much like once I'm done, like I want people to have their own experience with it. So I've noticed that when I do talk to people, they'll ask me, oh, what did you mean? Or is this that or that? And it's like, that's fine. But that I want them to make it up. Gotcha. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny because with this type, with the, the, um, Zoltaraptor type art, it can go either way. It's like, again, you're just leaving that person to have that experience with whatever squawked at them, or you can like walk them through it and then they're awed at the technology of it. So it's like multifaceted. If I yeah. made something like that, I would totally be watching. <laughs> yeah. It was really flattering. Um, so my partner, she was not around, but this older woman came up and was like, I, I want to, I heard the, I heard the person that made this was a woman. Um, is she, can I go talk to her I, or I want to talk to her. And so, um, they started chatting and she just was like, um, the fact that a woman made this cause she was the main architect behind it, um, is very inspiring. And like, I brought my daughter over cause I wanted her to see that and like, see that this is something Aww. that a woman made. Uh, it was just very, it touched her a lot and that's just another nice aspect of what, why you do these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we started out talking about integration. Now we're talking about r raptors screaming at you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are all important things in getting to know you and your life. And yeah. I think everyone listening will find this very I, I think entertaining but also I hope everyone listening can like see how this can reflect into your own life um because it still relates to like we were talking about play and like creating and mm -hmm. one of the things I actually wanted to ask you next was um like what are your creative hobbies for myself personally that is a good question um I creative hobbies the problem that i have with creativity is that i work in the creative field and so that tends to uh, people that work in creative creative fields may relate to this but basically like it sucks up all your energy during the day because you're having to do that work and then at mm -hmm. the end of the day like what are you left with and that's and so it's like you don't have often time or energy for your own personal projects and things like that um I, i've experienced a lot of that over my years of uh working in the industry that i work um and so now i'm like having to like reclaim myself and my time and so i think i'm getting to experience like what the hell that is now i think i'm i'm somebody it's it's funny. I'm like a creative person, but I love in intellectual stuff. Like I love philosophy. I love psychology. I think that's also what got me into like wanting to uh, learn more about psychedelic integration is that like, I find that this is my space where I love and get excited learning. Um, 
I have this like thing that I tell myself, which is like also uh, doing the work with myself and like trying to work on a lot of things that I've had problems with over the years uh, with my behavior towards people or um, my shortcomings or uh, just working on myself, uh, a lot of shadow work and things like that. And so it's like this idea of like, I'm going to make myself my hobby and I'm going to like mm-hmm. actually be excited to like do the work on myself for myself instead of just like this thing that we've been a lot of people think of it as just like oh i don't want to have to do the, i don't want to have to like face myself i want, don't want to have to do the work um or it's too hard or i just am the way i am or whatever whatever reasons are going on in their life that are telling those things like i've tried to like flip the script and be like i'm gonna be my hobby like i'm gonna be like when i when i uh work on something like that's going to benefit myself. That's going to benefit other people. And like, that gets me excited. Um, it's very, it's, um, very, you, something like having a vicarious experience through watching somebody else experience something. So I like to watch other people having joy. So like, oh. even that's kind of like something that I, that uh, is my space of, uh, of, of joy. Um, all super vague answers, but I literally don't do anything right now other than just like want to hang out with people. Like people are like my space of just like fun and pleasure and conversation, like all that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I totally mm. appreciate that perspective. Yeah. And I, I think all of those things, like depending on your mindset, like they can be creative hobbies, the way that you're looking at yourself, the way learning yeah. for sure and relating to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do. You made me think too, like creativity wise, like I um, have been practicing witchcraft for like two years now. And that's a very creative space. Like that's all about art and that's all about you being the artist of your life and like Ooh. being able to work with what's happening in nature and putting it together and you being creative. Uh, and so like either that showing up as like doing spell work or um, for myself, I love um, sigils, which are basically symbols, uh, putting spells into symbols and creating sigils that I can then share with uh, for myself or with my partner or with friends um, that are helping them like either with a working that they're doing or as a reminder of something that they're trying to work towards. Um, that's something that I've enjoyed artistically, creatively doing within that sphere of witchcraft. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I've seen yeah. uh, you post these on your Instagram and they're beautiful. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I need to post more. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, you don't need to, but they're beautiful. Seriously. Like that is, that's a whole work of art there. I can't believe you almost yeah. didn't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my um, partner, sorry, I'm going to keep talking about them a lot, but uh, they got a sigil that I designed for them on their index finger because they were trying to, um, at, they were at a point in their life where they needed to like get through some energy and push forward um, into who they wanted to be. And so the serpent represents like that energy is like shedding the old layers of yourself and allowing yourself to grow and evolve. And so that was ended up in the um, symbol on the finger. So um, just beautiful stuff with 
symbology, um, archetypes, uh, all that stuff works its way in. So it's a fun playground there. Yeah. What's your general process for designing a sigil? Are there steps? Um, there is a great book that if anybody's interested in learning the basics, um, it's by Laura Tempest Zakroff. Um, it's called Sigil Witchery. Um, and it's how I learned. Luckily, this was before COVID. I was able to take a class from her. And it basically um, is a is a decent sized book that breaks down uh, symbols as they appear in different um, cultures um, throughout time and what their commonality meanings are and how you can kind of draw um, from them for either broad use or specificity. Um, so it's basically like learning your language of what those symbols are for yourself. Like you can go broad, um, like frankly, anything could be made a sigil. You just doing a line can, uh, as long as you're putting like energy and intent into it, like that perfectly makes sense. Um, I tend to start with what myself or that person is wanting to work on in their life. So kind of deducing it down to one word is always great. Like protection or safety, uh, strength, those kind of like a uh, bigger intentional words. Um, then you look up symbols that are based around those words. Um, if there's something that's not fitting for you in the symbols you're looking for, you can make up your own that feels strong. Mm -hmm. You can also um, do, there's a technical word for it, but basically like compress that word into a smaller symbol, like a strength again, like ST can mean strength, you know, almost like the periodic table. Like those are all, those could be all interpreted as sigils for the elements because they're just a smaller, short abbreviation. So then you um, have, so then what I'll do is I'll have my individual symbols for the protection, safety, strength, like we were talking about. And then you get to kind of like paint them together. Like, how are they going to come together? So then that's kind of like when you're telling yourself either that narrative or that kind of vibrational level with it, you know, you say to yourself, well, I can't have protection first until I have strength. That's where I'm at. So I need strength to be my foundation. So that symbol that you are drawing for strength, you might want to put that on the bottom and you might want to find another symbol that means like grounding or mm -hmm. earth or uh, something that gives you that feeling of like, that's the base. And then um, I need, and then safety and protection. Those, uh, I also want to feel safe next or for you, safety and protection are equal. So you might make a scale and put them on the, uh, the symbols that you created on a scale that are, uh, that are balanced perfectly on that strength, you know, and you kind of, and then you, you either synthesize or deduce this down to what you feel or you paint, you know, you, you have that symbol and you're like, great, now I'm going to try a different way. And then you let whatever resonates out. You then find different pieces that work from all those different ones. And you're like, maybe you want to put them together. Uh, 
a lot of this is aesthetics. Like I tend to be like, this is aesthetically pleasing. So like that's usually involved in my final decision-making. But uh, also it's like, when I look at this, like, does it like, does it energetically read with what I'm, the energy that I want to put out there. And so that's also like a huge piece of it. And that all sounds super, hopefully, or that might sound super complicating, complicated, but it really is just, it's totally up to you. I know we have this idea of like thing, doing things right or wrong, but it's like with the real truth about witchcraft is there's no right or wrong. It's all about you and the energy you bring to it. So don't let people tell you you're doing something wrong. Uh, I know you, we tell ourselves that we're doing something wrong, but it's just energetically, if it feels good, then you're on the right path. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that there's a lot that anyone can learn from even going through that process that you just described. That's, I, it yeah. kept reminding me, like, I have um, these intentions that I've been reading for, like, oh, my God, it's almost six years now. But, like, wow. when I become grounded enough with the intention, I'm getting them tattooed on onto me. And that process yeah. is kind of like, okay, am I ready? Like, ha do I understand this one? Can I put it in a symbol? And they're, they are, like, just symbols. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. What I if I've been making sigils and I didn't even know it? Yeah. hundred percent. Like, yeah. Anything that symbol symbolizes anything else I would imagine is right in that yeah. definition. But the process, awesome. the process of having to really dig in deep into creating, like compressing meaning into this tiny little area or picture, uh, it definitely is a powerful thing to do. Yeah. And people use sigils in different ways. Um, a lot of people will talk about it and just like writing it on a scrap piece of paper. And then if you're doing a working, burning that in the fire and it's gone, it's only meant mm. there in that moment to manifest that, that little boost of energy. And then it's done its job. Oh, you know, other people, other people will tattoo it on them or they'll put it. I have a, some nice burned uh, pieces of wood that we put on their entryway. So that it's just that reminder for ourselves going in and out that door to like be kind to ourselves, show compassion. Um, it's so you'll hear different uh, way use usage ways. There's other people that will carve it into candles. And so that spell is that that candle um, over that period of time is manifesting what that sigil that you've carved into it. Um, yeah, there's no wrong way to do it. Oh, very <laughs> That's cool. That's what I like about it too. Yeah. I want to make some sigil art. Maybe, yeah, we should do that this week. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll bring my book. I did have a Burning Man um, one that I brought when I went out the last time. This was in 2019. Um, I think it's on my Instagram, but for folks that uh, aren't able to see the webcam, but... It's basically about communication and opening my heart. Um, Cause at that point in my life, I was kind of cutting myself off from people um, kind of feeling resentful. And so I needed this, this giant, I just needed this jumpstart, this giant catalyst to kind of like bring me back. And so I carved the sigil onto a little piece of wood and wore it as a necklace around my neck and had that with me all week. So whenever I was in moments of feeling um, that I was, closing myself off and I knew that I didn't want to that physical totem reminder was there kind of like 
telling me like, Hey, Hey, remember like what you came out here for. And that year happened to be my, or maybe because of these things, um, it happened, was my best year for opening up healing. Uh, I met one of my best friends out there that, um, super grateful that it wouldn't have happened if I had just been kind of going through the motions. So it's creating those kind of like, um, activation within yourself that, that, uh, you can tangibilize and then like recall super helpful. Very cool. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Do you feel like you want to touch upon anything else? Um, Did we forget anything? I honestly don't know how long it's been. <laughs> Are we at the hour? It's Yeah, it's been about an hour, which is a new thing. I'm actually noticing the time. Hadn't been doing that before on these podcasts, but... <laughs> As per request. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I am complete. I would love to dig in maybe on a future. Yes. Yes. Timeline with you on anything else. I love repeats. I've had my, I interviewed my first repeat this week. So repeats are definitely going to be a thing here. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. This and I know there's a lot we talked about before the show that we didn't get into as well. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure we're going to have more to talk about in the future so people can further get to know you and learn more about all the crazy cool things that you have going on in your life. So many things. It's really hard to summarize. I like it. <laughs> and the last thing I'm going to ask for you to do is give our listeners a weekly challenge. Ooh. That's right. Um, yes, that is a great thing to ask people to do. I'm just going to ask you to do something simple for yourself. And that's to, if you are able to in before you go to bed and you have your eyes closed or whenever, but just say, just like show yourself a little self-compassion. Like things are unusually hard right now in the world. Um, and it's all coming down on us super hard and we're we're doing the best we can. And so just say to yourself, even just once, like, I'm doing the best I can. Like, that's it. That's so sweet. <laughs> this is the number one sweetest challenge so far. It really is. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And if anyone wants to find you on the internet, where, where should we send them to? That is a good question. I will, let's see here. My Instagram is. You can just say Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram and you'll, I'm sure post it in the notes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I have two Instagrams and I'm forgetting which one, but I am on there. I do check and I would love to talk to anybody about psychedelic integration. If they're interested in learning more or if they're interested for themselves or another person. Um, but I'm very much on this journey of still learning that and, uh, and uh, would love to, share where share what I can that's perfect thank you again and I'll talk to everyone next week for more archives for aliens and this is the end of, of the podcast Yay.